Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, May 17th, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, now Elon says he can't move forward with the deal until he gets solid answers from Twitter about the bot issue. Even though, you know, we have the paperwork of his original offer and there were no contingencies about bot numbers and he totally could have written that into the deal. Will Apple use e-ink on their foldable device? Coinbase is slowing hiring while Microsoft is boosting pay. And a big test of driver assist systems says they're still not as reliable as we all hope they are. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Well, he gave us one day of respite, I guess. Elon Musk says the Twitter deal, quote, cannot move forward until Twitter proves bots are less than 5% of its users claiming that his original takeover offer is based on, quote, SEC filings being accurate, end quote. Quoting Bloomberg, Twitter's shares fell another 3.2% in pre-market trading in New York after sliding more than 8% the previous day. The spread between Musk's offer price of $54.20 a share and its last trading price is currently about 40%, suggesting investors think there is little chance the deal will get done without a discount, if at all. Twitter said it is, quote, committed to completing the transaction on the agreed price and terms as promptly as practicable in a statement on Tuesday. If a revised deal does get done by Musk and Twitter, said Dan Ives, analyst at Wedbush, it will likely be at a much lower price once negotiations take over and the diligence happens around Twitter DAO and algorithms hot button issues, end quote. The battle over bots has become a sticking point for Musk, who told a tech conference in Miami on Monday that fake users make up at least 20% of all Twitter accounts, possibly as high as 90%. Twitter regularly states in its quarterly results that the average of false or spam accounts, quote, represented fewer than 5% of our monthly daily active users during the quarter, adding that it applied significant judgment to its estimate and the true number could be higher. Musk encouraged Twitter users to run their own tests for bots, crowdsourcing the effort to calculate whether they made up less than 5% of the service. Responding to Musk's assertions, Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal posted a long thread laying out his company's methodology. Musk replied by first asking why Twitter doesn't just call users to verify their identity, and then posting a poop emoji. The proposed takeover includes a $1 billion breakup fee for each party, which Musk will have to pay if he ends the deal or fails to deliver the acquisition funding as promised. It is unclear whether an update by Twitter on the number of fake accounts, if materially larger than 5%, would trigger a so-called material adverse effect clause, releasing Musk from the breakup fee, end quote. Rand Fishkin at SparkToro, by the way, recently did his own analysis of 44,058 randomly selected public Twitter accounts that have tweeted in the past 90 days and which would thus resemble Twitter's monetizable daily active users, their preferred metric for their counting of users. And his data said that 19.42% are likely spam or fake accounts. Not only that, he also ran an analysis of Elon's own 93 million Twitter followers, and he says that 70.23% of at Elon Musk followers are unlikely to be authentic. He also analyzed only those 26.8 million at Elon Musk followers who tweeted in the last 90 days and asserted that 23.42% of those were likely fake or spam, which is close to his original assessment of the fake Twitter accounts overall.
Our friend Ming-Chi Kuo claims Apple is testing a foldable device with a secondary e-ink display. Quoting The Verge, The color EPD, electronic paper display, has the potential to become a mainstream solution for foldable devices must have cover slash second screen thanks to its excellent power saving, the analyst wrote in a tweet. He adds that the e-ink display is also being tested in tablet-like applications. Most tablet-style foldables on the market today pair a large folding inner display with a smaller outer display for quickly checking notifications. But existing devices like the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 3 or the Oppo Find N use OLED panels for both. Apple's use of an e-ink screen would almost certainly make for a less responsive outer display with fewer colors, but as Quo notes, it could be far more power efficient. Although e-ink is best known for its monochrome displays that Amazon uses in its Kindles, the company also has a line of color screens. Most recently, it announced e-ink Gallery 3, a new version of its color e-ink technology that's capable of producing more colors at a higher resolution. It can also refresh far quicker than the company's previous color screens, although it's still nowhere near as responsive as an equivalent OLED or LCD panel. Promotional videos released by e-ink showed how the display can be folded or rolled. There have been persistent rumors that Apple is planning on joining the likes of Samsung and Huawei in releasing a foldable device. In 2021, reports emerged that Apple was prototyping folding displays internally. And as of April this year, Quo was predicting that Apple could release a device with a 9-inch foldable display in 2025 at the earliest. Bloomberg has also reported that Apple could have an additional device with a larger 20-inch foldable display in the works though it wouldn't be eligible for release before 2026. Quo's latest prediction doesn't mention the size of the foldable equipped with an e-ink display, end quote. Also Apple. They now are allowing developers to auto-renew users for increased subscription prices once a year, as long as the increase doesn't exceed $50 or 50% of the annual price. In other words, they'll increase your subscription without telling you. Kind of. Quoting Mac Rumors. Apple today informed developers that it is implementing a new subscription feature that will allow customers to be charged automatically when an app subscription price goes up, which is not the way that subscriptions work at the current time. Right now, customers must explicitly agree to a price change when the cost of a subscription increases through an agree to new price interface. If a customer does not tap on agree when the warning comes up, their subscription is automatically canceled, but that's changing. Going forward, developers will be able to increase the price of a subscription and have it auto-renew with customers simply being informed rather than needing to outright agree. Apple says that, quote, under specific conditions and with advanced user notice, end quote, developers can offer an auto-renewable subscription price increase without the user needing to take action and without their subscription being impacted. There are specific limits that Apple is placing on developers to make sure this functionality is not abused. A pricing increase cannot occur more than once per year, and it cannot exceed $5 and 50% of the subscription price or $50 and 50% for an annual subscription price. Apple says that it will always notify users of the pricing increase in advance via email, push notification, and a message within the app. Apple will also provide instructions on how to view, manage, and cancel subscriptions." End quote. Coinbase is going to let a, quote, small set of users access Ethereum-based decentralized apps, also known as dApps, directly from its own app. Quoting Coindesk, 
This edition will help users purchase NFTs on various marketplaces, including OpenSea and Coinbase's own NFT platform, trade on decentralized exchanges, including Uniswap and SushiSwap, and borrow and lend through DeFi platforms, including Curve and Compound. These features will be powered by Coinbase's new DApp wallet and browser. The company said it's rolling out the new services in the U.S. on Android first to a limited subset of users, with plans to expand to all users and platforms soon. Over 95% of the nearly 300 million cryptocurrency investors worldwide have not ventured beyond a centralized exchange. Andrew Thurman of blockchain analytics firm Nansen told Coindesk, this move by Coinbase has the potential to give a new wave of users the chance to explore the frontier of DeFi and NFTs, he said, end quote. But meanwhile... From the tech downturn file, Coinbase also says it will, quote, slow hiring and reassess our headcount needs due to the market downturn, after originally saying it planned to triple its workforce in 2022, quoting the block. Emily Choi, Coinbase's president and chief operating officer, said in a blog post on Tuesday that the firm would be slowing hiring to, quote, reprioritize our hiring needs against our highest priority business goals, end quote. The note had been circulated among staff earlier. Heading into this year, we plan to triple the size of the company. Given current market conditions, we feel it's prudent to slow hiring and reassess our headcount needs against our highest priority business goals, she said. Headcount growth is a key input to our financial model, and this is an important action to ensure we manage our business to the scenarios we plan for, specifically the potential adjusted EBITDA we are aiming to manage to, end quote. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months or worse. That laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ka-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify transformed ResumeWriters.com from the spaghetti code backend I cobbled together in college to the world-class commerce platform it sits on today. And Shopify 
Shopify can do the same for your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ride. But Microsoft is coming at this from a different angle, telling employees that it will nearly double its global budget for merit-based salary bumps and raise its range for annual stock-based compensation by more than 25%. In other words, these are the sort of moves you make because your employees are concerned about their stock options potentially being underwater. If you can't get the stock price to go up, you got to make salaries and bonuses go up. Quoting GeekWire, it follows Amazon's decision to more than double its maximum base pay range for corporate and tech workers. Time and time again, we see that our talent is in high demand because of the amazing work you do to empower our customers and partners. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella writes in the memo, a copy of which was obtained by GeekWire. Across the leadership team, your impact is both recognized and deeply appreciated, and for that, I want to say a big thank you. That's why we're making long-term investments in each of you, end quote. Nadella writes in the memo that the company is making, quote, a significant additional investment in our compensation programs beyond its normal budget for annual compensation increases. Microsoft is making the move as its 2022 fiscal year draws to a close ending June 30th and before its time frame for determining rewards-based compensation in the fall. The company reported stock-based compensation expenses of $6.1 billion in its last fiscal year ended June 30th, 2021, equivalent to 10% of its $61 billion in annual profits." End quote. Ever curious to know how much you're actually tracked? Well, according to a new report, the real-time bidding industry, or RTB, exposes an average person's online activity and location 747 times per day on average in the U.S. and 376 times per day in Europe, quoting The Verge. New data about the real-time bidding RTB system's use of web users' info for tracking and ad targeting, released today by the Irish Council for Civil Liberties, or ICCL, suggests Google and other key players in the high-velocity surveillance-based ad auction system are processing and passing people's data billions of times per day. RTB is the biggest data breach ever recorded, argues the ICCL. It tracks and shares what people view online and their real-world locations 294 billion times in the U.S. and 197 billion times in Europe every day, end quote. The ICCL's report, which is based on industry figures that the rights organization says it obtained from a confidential source, offers an estimate of RTB per person per day across U.S. states and European countries, which suggests that web users in Colorado and the U.K. are among the most exposed by the system with 987 and 462 RTB broadcasts apiece per person per day. But even online individuals living in the bottom of the chart, District of Columbia or Romania, have their information exposed by RTB an estimated 486 times per day or 149 times per day, respectively, per the report. The ICCL calculates that people living in the U.S. have their online activity and real-world location exposed 57% more often than people in Europe, likely as a result of differences in privacy regulation across the two regions. Collectively, the ICCL estimates that U.S. internet users' online behavior and locations are tracked and shared 107 trillion times a year, while Europeans' data is exposed 71 trillion times a year, end quote. Finally today, a reminder that we aren't quite there yet. The Automobile Association of America tested a Hyundai Santa Fe, a Subaru Forester, 
and a Tesla Model 3 and found that the active driver assist platforms of each often failed to prevent hitting cyclists or oncoming cars, which, you know, not ideal, quoting the register. According to the AAA, all three systems represent the second of five autonomous driving levels which require drivers to maintain alertness at all times to seize control from the computer when needed. There are no semi-autonomous cars generally available to the public that are able to operate above level two. The AAA reviewed multiple scenarios, how active driving assist or ADA systems respond to slow-moving cars or cyclists ahead of them in the same lane, how they respond to oncoming vehicles crossing the center line, and how they respond to cyclists crossing their lane of travel. The first two scenarios evaluated adaptive cruise control, or ACC, which decelerates or brakes a vehicle in response to slower or stopped objects ahead. All three vehicles detected their vehicle and cyclist targets and were able to match speed or stop in response. The AAA said that their tests of ACC systems were encouraging and supportive of previous AAA research, concluding that the ACC component of ADA systems are well-developed and perform according to expectations for typical closed-course scenarios and naturalistic driving environments, the report reads. Controlled deceleration when faced with predictable scenarios is one thing, but when faced with emergency situations, the response was far worse. In tests involving an oncoming car passing into the lane of the ADA-enabled vehicle, only one, the Tesla Model 3, detected the oncoming car and slowed the vehicle, but still hit it. To make matters worse, the AAA said the head-on test was performed at, quote, unrealistically low vehicle speeds in which the ADA vehicle was moving at 15 miles per hour and the target vehicle at 25 miles per hour. When tests were done, quote, at higher speeds characteristic of rural two-lane highways, it is unlikely that evaluated ADA systems would provide meaningful mitigation in the absence of driver intervention, AAA wrote in the report. The response to collisions with cyclists was a bit more encouraging, but not by much. Instead of all three vehicles smacking into the cyclist without slowing, only the Subaru failed to detect and struck the cyclist in each of the five test runs. On the one hand, driver assistance software is just that, a tool for attentive human drivers and should not be used or relied upon as a true self-driving system. On the other hand, poor performance of level two driving systems had better not be indicative of the safety performance of higher levels. And complicating this issue is some of the marketing around driver assistance technology already painting it as a no-hands competent solution. Drivers tell us they expect their current driving assistance technology to perform safely all the time, the AAA said, but unfortunately our testing demonstrates spotty performance is the norm rather than the exception, end quote. As I said, not ideal, or as, you know, Pete Campbell says in that Mad Men meme, not great, Bob. Also not great, Bob, our household is experiencing what? Our 10th COVID scare of the year. My son woke up in the middle of the night throwing up and with a 100-degree fever, so we're all home again today to be on the safe side, but none of us have tested positive for COVID yet, including my son. If you'll remember, my daughter and I did test positive back in December, but we figured that was a false positive at this point, since we never tested positive subsequently, even though the original test was a lab PCR test, and also no one ended up having any symptoms after that. I honestly don't know what I would do if or when I get COVID vis-a-vis this show, Friends who have gotten COVID recently have been like, yeah, you're so knocked out for at least a few days, you'll be unlikely to be able to do a show for a few days. So like I said, I have no idea what I would do in that case. Hire somebody to fill in, I guess, 
or just not do shows for a few days, which reminds me, ever since lockdown, this show has been coming out regularly at around noon or around one o'clock Eastern time. That's because since I don't have a morning commute anymore, I sit down in the mornings after I get the kids to school and I just bang the show out. And when I'm done, I put it out. Why leave it sit and wait for some arbitrary release time? Longtime listeners, though, will remember that this show used to come out at 3 or 4 p.m., thus the name Ride Home. Anyway, I'm considering that this summer, because of the kids' various camp schedules, I'm going to put the show out a bit later. Not 4 p.m. like in the old days, but not noon like I've been doing recently, maybe closer to 2 p.m. So, just fair warning, if you've gotten used to the show coming out at noon for lunch or dinner, I guess if you're in Europe or whatever, it might start coming out two hours later than that going forward. Not the 4 p.m. of old, but still, I thought I'd warn you folks before I started doing it. Anyway, hope to talk to you tomorrow, hoping for another negative rapid test for Max this afternoon.